sure as God made green apples, someday the Chicago Cubs are going to be in the World Series. Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a tough play. Play it. The Cubs win the World Series. You are locked on Cubs. Your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. But we didn't come here to drink beer. We came here to win this ball game. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I said to the Uber boy, I said, take me out with the crowd. What's going on, Cubs fans? You're listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Sean Sears, and on today's episode, I have Ryan Davis joining us to talk a little bit about the Colton Wong uh, interest. Apparently, the Cubs are one of the final teams, I guess, showing serious interest in Colton Wong, the second baseman, of course, former uh, second baseman with the St. Louis Cardinals, a left-handed bat that could maybe possibly platoon with the Cubs, with uh, Nico Horner at second base, obviously Horner should be playing a little bit all over the diamond this year. Evan Wong would at least allow the Cubs to add a little more depth to their roster, be more versatile. Ryan and I talk about that, but we also kind of talk about the John Lester stuff a little bit and kind of how that whole situation and the Cubs just not really paying Lester makes kind of it really hard to figure out what's going on with this current club. Of course, I say that, and um, <laughs> the Cubs have just signed Jock, Jock Peterson to a deal uh, worth $7 million, so that thing could change. But we'll touch on the Jock Peterson stuff later on. This Obviously, we recorded this yesterday with Ryan. The Cubs had not signed Peterson yet, but there will be an episode coming out later Friday to talk more about that. But with that, here is our episode with Ryan Davis. One reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money, and you can use that for other important things like mortgage, food. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, nearly 100% more for the exact same part at a chain store or a new car dealership? For an example, a fuel pump for a 2005 to 2010 Honda, Honda Odyssey can cost $353 in an advanced big chain store. On Rock Auto, that's $216.79. Uh, awesome. Why would you spend more money for that? Crazy, right? RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto body parts and for hundreds of manufacturers. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliable below and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Hey guys, Sean Sears here from Lockdown Cubs to talk to you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is one of the best tasting protein bars I've ever had. I know I talk to you guys about this all the time, but Built Bar is not only one of the best tasting protein bars with flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake. It's a new one I've been trying. Uh, those are all new flavors, but they've got their original flavors too, like peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie. I love mint brownie. That's been my breakfast of choice the last couple of years or a couple years, a couple of months now. But the bars are 100% covered in chocolate, super easy to chew, soft. But the best thing about them is they're healthy. They're great for the health-conscious guy, uh, losing weight, whether that's losing, maintaining weight. It's a nice treat to indulge yourself with. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-fiber, high-protein. It's great for the keto diet if you're trying to lose weight during uh, quarantine here right now. But take, for instance, the uh, Cherry Baraka. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. That is incredibly healthy for you. Is good for you, obviously, but also tastes really good. It's a nice snack to have throughout the day. 
it's better than me chewing on like i don't know a donut i'm a big fan of goldfish and chips and crackers it's nice to be able to just eat one of these protein bars i'm relatively full i don't snack throughout the day and i'm ready to eat dinner later on in the day it's nice i don't spoil my meal and my girlfriend doesn't get mad at me and I don't want to eat the dinner she just made. But <laughs> Built Bar has the promo code locked on to get yourself 20% off your next order. So you head to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on. You save yourself 20% off your next order of Built Bars. They're delicious, they're nutritious, they're easy to bring anywhere on the go. Great snack for work from home. Head to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on, save yourself 20% off, and give these guys a shout out. They've been doing awesome work for the Lockdown Network and are making some of the best protein bars you'll ever have. All right, Cubs fans, joined with me today is Ryan Davis. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Q Davis. Ryan, how's it going today, man? Oh, doing all right, other than all my GameStop stock just tanking. <laughs> yeah, Ryan was just giving me a crash course on this whole GameStop and Robin Hood shenanigans. We uh, we were saying we should have recorded it for the uh, the after show show that we're, we're, we've talked about but never actually done yet. But You guys was, miss uh, out I, on so many... Uh, adult conversations about stuff other than and including the Cubs. Yeah, that's very true. Things things we'll, we'll have to discuss more in 2021. But yeah. obviously, uh, today's show we're uh, we're talking some Cubs baseball. I don't know if you guys have listened to the show before, but this is Locked On Cubs, and um, we talk Cubs. But sometimes, uh, <laughs> sometimes. but uh, there's some news a little bit. Colton Wong, it sounds like the Cubs are one of those teams that checked in on him. We got a little bit more news on John Lester. He shared some comments after signing with the Nationals. So some things to talk about. But for the most part, the overall status for this team hasn't hasn't really changed much. They're not spending. We're seeing some guys disappear. And uh, we're getting really close to spring training now with still some kind of major series holes in this roster. But to start it off here, Ryan, I wanted to get your thoughts on Colton Wong because it, it seems kind of strange that the Cubs, I mean, it doesn't seem strange that the Cubs be interested. He, there's a clear fit and need, but um, you like talk about, like, I think it was Evan Altman that tweeted something like, you know, he listed Tommy Listella, uh, Cesar Hernandez, and uh, Colton Wong as guys he thought the Cubs should consider signing. Hernandez got, uh, I think, a one-year deal with the Indians, I believe. Uh, it okay. sounds like Tom – is that who it is? I'm, I can't remember. Tommy Lestella. It's something – I think it's the Indians. But uh, Tommy Lestella is supposedly going to get a multi-year deal with the Giants. And then you've got Colton Wong here who's uh, – they. I think the Cardinals declined their $12.5 million option. You would assume he'd probably get a multi-year deal if Lestella does, right? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um... I, I think that Colton Wong is a underrated player just because if you look at his offensive stats, it's really not um, not all that impressive overall. Um, a lot of that has to do with he doesn't have a ton of power and he doesn't always hit for a high average and that'll bring things down a little bit. Uh, side note, uh, Kike Hernandez signed with the Red Sox. Oh, okay, Kike. I, oh, I was talking about Cesar. Cesar, oh, Cesar Hernandez. Hernandez. Oh, okay. <laughs> Cesar. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah, don't... Kike Hernandez, Red Sox. That's an interesting signing too. But it, whatever. Uh... Yeah, you said, said Cesar <laughs> Hernandez, and I heard Enrique. I don't know why. Anyway, <laughs> I uh... mumble. I mumble. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, getting back to uh, Colton Wong, I, I really like him as a player, and I think he he's a good fit for the Cubs. If you look at just over the course of let's say the last four seasons. His OPS plus is only 103, so he's just a, a tad above league average as a hitter, but mm -hmm. he has a 356 on base, and that's good enough, and, and an on-base percentage that is consistent, um, other than 
maybe one season uh, in 2018 where it's, it's consistently 350 or higher. So that's a guy that I think really fits in your lineup. On the other side of it, he's also a, a very good defensive second baseman. He's won two gold gloves. That doesn't necessarily tell the whole story, but right. he's a good player at his position. Um, and for a second baseman at a, at a spot that doesn't have to be, um, you know, elite offensively, uh, I think having a guy who plays great defense next to Javier Baez on the other side from Anthony Rizzo to you know, gold glove caliber players as well. Uh, that's going to make you a much better team. And then you can use Nico Horner to, you know, not necessarily full platoon with Wong, but maybe take some of the at-bats at second where uh, there's a tougher lefty on the mound. You could also give Baez a day off with Horner at short, and then you can move Horner in the outfield too uh, so that he can kind of do that utility role, uh, sort of like a infield outfield Chris Coglin kind of guy. Um, at least now while he's developing, if you believe that he's ready to be in the big leagues, but maybe not ready for every day at bats, if he's in that in-between area, that would, it would make a lot of sense for him. So Wong for the Cubs, I think makes just a ton of sense, but I don't, I don't necessarily trust that they're willing to pay what it takes. And we, we've talked about the budgetary issues before. Uh, I'm still on the fence. I don't know if, you know, things like, and we were listing this as one of our idea, ideas for something to talk about, but the John Lester stuff, I don't necessarily know that just because the Cubs couldn't make a competitive offer to him, that that signals that they don't have any money to spend at all. Um, I think it might mean that they only have what they have to spend, and they know that going and getting a guy like Colton Wong might be more important for on-the-field reasons than bringing back John Lester on a cheap one-year deal to you know, get more out of the rotation because, you know, we, we can talk more, more on that if you want, but um, I, I think at the very least, we know that they're uh, very cognitive, cognizant of where that money is allocated right now. Right. And that's, that's kind of what you like. You hope at least that's why the Cubs aren't spending money on a guy like John Lester or didn't want to go pony up 7 million for, for Kyle Schwarber. He ends up getting 10 million from the Nats, but um you know, it, it makes you wonder, like, okay, they're, they're not going to sign a guy for $4 million who, who does solve a need, granted, and obviously has a big legacy from the future, from the past and John Lester. But to sign Colton Wong on what is probably going to end up being like a, I would assume if it's not a two-year deal, like a one-year deal where he gets paid a little bit more because of that if the Cubs sign him. Because otherwise, like I know John Morosi reported that it's the Cardinals, Tigers, Mariners, Rays, Phillies, and Cubs yeah. in, in, in the mix for him. And I, I would assume there's probably more teams there. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Cardinals initially said they weren't even going to sign Colton Wong and they weren't going to make much moves and they it sounded like they weren't really going to pursue him. So them being in the mix, hopefully... I, I I hope that doesn't mean he goes back to the Cardinals. I, I would love to see him come to the Cubs, but if he's not, you know, go to the AL. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the Cardinals being in the mix, I think is probably something that tells you a little about where the market for Wong is. Um, they paid a million dollars on his buyout uh, to make him a free agent. And I guess, you know, weren't really interested in signing him at that point. If, if it's possible, his market is only, He's getting, you know, one year, three, four million dollar offers, just, you know, throwing out a number. Uh, Maybe the Cardinals look at that and say, oh, well, at that price, we are interested in having Colton Wong back. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I, that's only speculative. I don't know where the market is for him. I would assume that it would be better than that if there were more teams involved. The fact that the Cubs are mentioned, I think, is positive. But, um, you know, really, I'm skeptical that they come away with them <laughs> just because <laughs> I, I'll believe the spending when I see it. Uh, I just I'm not ready to give up on the idea that they do have the ability to throw out a one year, six or seven million dollar deal for the right guy to make the make things work because at this point it looks like they've got a ton of holes on their roster but a lot of those places they might just be willing to roll with what they have and if you can sign one guy like colton wong who makes nico horner not the everyday second baseman where he can go help in the outfield sometimes as well it kind of fills the roster in in more ways than one uh so that's really, sure. in my opinion, the kind of guy that if you can only sign one, um, you should be going after a guy like Colton Wong who can, you know, help you and make you deeper. Right. He, he, he at least lets you utilize some of the versatility this roster does have because the Cubs do have some versatile players. Like, obviously, Chris Bryant can play third base in the outfield. You can move Ian Happ in any of those spots in the outfield and possibly maybe play second base. I don't think that's really a thing in his, you know, yeah. It doesn't sound like the Cubs plan on doing that, but it at least was something they considered. Horner can kind of go in between. Now, you do have some versatility, obviously. Wilson can play the outfield if need be and whatnot. So, like, adding a guy like Wong at least gives you a mainstay there at second base who can then let you utilize that depth. So, that, that'd be cool. And I, If that were the decision and the Cubs decided they were going to maybe – fill in the some of the roster holes on, on the pitching side with just a couple, you know, maybe some veteran guys they hope make it work. That'd be fine, I guess. We did see a report that Chris Archer and Mike Fultonevitz were reportedly on the Cubs' radar uh, mm-hmm. for 670. I'm assuming that's Bruce Levine reporting that. James Paxton and Tywin Walker were also mentioned, but they, they was also said that if Lester's out of their price range, those guys probably are too. Yeah, I don't I mean, like, that's probably like a Chris Archer – is probably what you're looking at as a fifth starter right now, likely, right? Like that type of mold of a pitcher. Yeah, I mean, and maybe even like a little bit less name brand than Chris Archer. <laughs> yeah, maybe off brand Chris Archer. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, but yeah, and and that's the point. I think that summarizes what you said about if they can't afford John Lester, then Walker would be out of their price range. Uh, I think that summarizes my stance perfectly. Is I don't know if uh, Lester was out of their price range or if they just would rather spend that plus more on a guy that they feel like might give them an actual return in 2021 on the field outside of, you know, uh, emotional reasons to sign a player. Cause as fans, we want John Lester to come back because we love John Lester, but from the Cubs perspective, if they're operating on such a thin line and trying to compete, like they say they are, um, mm-hmm. do you go out and, you know, if, if you know $3 million could get you or 4 million could get you Taiwan Walker, would you use a million of that or 2 million of that on John Lester when he's had a four, or I'm sorry, a 5.34 ERA over his last 36 starts with the Cubs? Yeah. Over that's that, nuts. Uh, over, yeah, <laughs> over his last 194 innings with the Cubs dating back to middle of May, 2019, uh, 5.34 ERA. His opponents are hitting 295 with a 350 on base, a 491 slugging, and a 355 weighted on base average. Uh, that is really bad. Uh, that is just getting consistently rocked. And 
I, I don't know. I mean, again, I, for emotional reasons, I, and I know many Cubs fans would love to have John Lester back on this team. And I, and I'm with you, I'm with you on the outrage that if they can't spend enough to bring him back, uh, but I don't think it's that they couldn't spend that money to bring him back. I think they just maybe are reallocating that money towards someone that they feel like might give them more performance. That's what you hope. And it, it does sound like there were some comments that came out from Lester yesterday, Gordon Whitmire reporting uh, Lester on the Cubs or what the Cubs are doing this winter. We all kind of see what's going on. You can kind of see where they're heading. That doesn't mean they're going to be bad, dot, dot, dot. Also, all of our conversations were great. There was not a negative conversation in there. No hard feelings. And then Lester confirmed that the he had conversations with Tom Ricketts and Joe Hoyer about returning to the Cubs, but didn't get an offer or d- didn't get an offer down to nitty gritty of final stages like the Nats talks. Some disappointment, he said, says he added he's excited about the Nats. But uh, Rogers, Jesse Rogers from ESPN, then confirmed that Lester had gone to Ricketts and and tried to work out some type of deferral where basically he'd be paid just about. You know, pretty much anything he he would take anything in 2021 with the rest being deferred. Team still said no. So that to me, like if you were literally going to get John Lester for almost no, you know, real, real salary or salary cap, any cap, any type of like hit money wise for 2021 are very minimal, um, even deferred. Like you would think the Cubs would have at least considered it if they really wanted Lester back. Right. That's I think that's a really good point is uh, that right there should tell you. Um that maybe the problem was just that Jed Hoyer decided it's time to move on. Um, and I mean, it, you know, Jed was with the Red Sox as well, but I believe John Lester was pretty much strictly a, um, a Theo guy, right? It's uh, what it sounded like. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, not that Jed didn't love him as well or have any sort of emotional ac- attachment to him, but, you know, Theo Epstein's gone, John Lester's gone. It, it doesn't surprise me necessarily um, again, given those performance issues, I know that uh, mm-hmm. Chris Archer, who's the example, uh, he didn't pitch at all last year in the shortened season, and he had a 519 ERA in 2019. Uh, but the three years prior to 2019, it, it feels like Archer's been terrible for a long time, but it's really just not true. Uh, from yeah. 20, 2016 to 2018, uh, primarily with the Rays. He had a 4.12 ERA and 550 and two-thirds innings, basically all full seasons, uh, a little bit less in 2018. He also had a 364 FIP during that time with less than three walks per nine and over 10 strikeouts per nine. So we're not talking about a guy who's completely washed necessarily, right? Like this, right. Is, a, this is a guy that if you could get him for similar money or even more money, you would want to allocate that money to sign a guy like Chris Archer because the upside is so much better. And that's kind of the conversation I had with Michael Ernst earlier this week. Archer, five years younger than Lester, still 32 and, you know, not necessarily a guy you'd look at signing long term. Cubs aren't planning on doing that with anyone, though. So it makes sense there. But, um, yeah, I mean, like I I would much rather give a shot on uh, give a give a chance to a guy like Chris Archer as opposed to John Lester, even if it costs a million more, maybe a million and a half or something like that. Uh, obviously that, that shouldn't be the deciding factor <laughs> in a pitcher sometimes a million or a million and a half, but you would think Archer probably has at least more of an upside. And like you said, track record, like outside of like some rough seasons with Pittsburgh, like still was really solid with the Rays, even if he wasn't quite the 330, 320 ERA guy he showed in his first couple seasons, like still a really talented guy who can miss bats. Right. And I remember there was a period where it was like, 
why is Chris Archer, you know, statistically the same, except he's giving up more home runs and his ERA has gone up like that. I remember that was a conversation uh, for a couple of years where it was kind of a head scratcher why Archer was, you know, he went from that, like you said, 320, 330 kind of ERA area to all of a sudden right hovering around four. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense because again, still, it's not giving up really statistically a ton more hits. He's walking about the same people. Uh, he's actually striking out more. Uh, he's just giving up a few more homers. Uh, you know, just looking down the list, you know, 15 home runs, 12 home runs, 19 home runs in those first three, four full years. And then after that, the the bad years, 30 home runs, 27 home runs, and then 19 in a you know slightly shorter year. So like, it's just really the home runs have gone up and, the, and that was kind of a, a head scratcher. I know things were different in 2019 and then he didn't pitch last year. But um, again, I think the, the major takeaway for me is there's a chance that this whole thing with Lester is, you know, the Cubs don't want to pay $1 million or whatever the small amount relatively is uh, for John Lester. If it means costing them, uh, a chance at a guy like Archer or somebody else with much higher upside. Right. Uh, while we were talking, um, it was reported that the Cubs had signed Cole Stewart. He's a right-handed pitcher, 26-year-old. He was actually the pick right behind Chris Bryan, the number four overall pick in the 2013 draft. Um, right-handed pitcher, uh, he threw about 25 innings for the Cu- or for the, the Cubs, the Indians last year. Jesus. The, the, the Minnesota Twins, if I could talk today. Uh, in night 2019, he didn't pay, play in 2020. In 2019, he threw 25 and a third innings, made just two starts, had a 6.39 ERA, but a, a uh, really impressive 3.55 K per nine. Um, he's not a guy that misses bats, apparently. It looks like his career norms are around 6.7 K per nine. Um, he has shown he had really good numbers as he was coming through high A and double A too, like a 3.03 ERA, 92 innings uh, for double A in 2016, but just doesn't seem like he's really figured it out as he's gone through the higher levels. Was doing better in 2018, got called up with the Twins and. Looked pretty good, 36 innings of work, a 3.68 ERA, but hasn't been able to really put those numbers up again since. Was pretty bad in twenty in AAA, 91 innings, 5.14 ERA, and then 2019, the 6.39 ERA. Yeah. I don't really know much about him beyond that. Do you Do you know who Cole Stewart is? Clearly not a not a great first round pick, but yeah, not a not a big winner for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Um, I can tell you that he was with the Orioles um, last year, I guess, uh, maybe at their their uh, offsite, like the Cubs with South Bend. Uh, but I, I got, he didn't pitch in the big leagues, so I, I don't know enough about him, especially not with having without having research to know if he was healthy or if he was injured because there's no minor league games. Uh, so it's possible he was pitching at the you know at their you know alternate site. Uh, for the Orioles, but you know, like you said, um, 2019 AAA stats not good. 5.14 ERA in 91 uh, innings. He did strike out slightly more, 7.9 strikeouts per nine. His strikeout numbers in the minors are slightly better than his strikeout numbers in the majors, which are pretty pathetic. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not seeing like a ton to be optimistic about. I mean, I guess it's just depth. It's AAA depth. Um, he was the number 54 prospect, uh, in, according to Baseball Prospectus pre-2014. 
and then pre-2015, number 28 by BP. Uh, that means practically nothing six years later, but still, you know, um, people believe there's talent in the arm. So um, maybe there's a chance this is a guy that they could do something with uh, at AAA this year. But um, again, I think it's just more depth um, because I think that's how they're going to build their depth is by finding guys like Cole Stewart. It looks like Michael Cerami actually tweeted uh, about him a little bit. He said that injuries slowed him down in the minors, but the main thing was that he he never really developed an out pitch between his fastball, curveball, slider, or changeup combo. So he throws maybe four pitches. Doesn't sound like any of them are very plus though. So that's did you that's did you say Michael Cerami instead of Michael Ernst? I did. Yes. Did you say that earlier too? I thought you might have said Michael Cerami earlier. I might have said Michael Cerami. It's Michael Ernst. Michael Cerami has been on the podcast before, but was not who we talked about beforehand. Uh, before we go, Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on this. I, it, it's not really anything new. It's nothing that we haven't talked about before, but uh, you know, who would have thought? Chris Bryant, not very happy to be in trade rumors. Uh, <laughs> he was on an interview. I don't know if you listened to it very much, a Redline Radio, a, a Barstool podcast, who I'm I'm not a big fan of Barstool, but I did listen I, to it for Chris Bryant's sake. I know you, you don't like Barstool. Either, yeah, I but. do. I do not. No. <laughs> yeah, not a big stoolie. Um, uh, but not not me. Yeah, he fooled me. Um, <laughs> but no, he he talked a little bit about. He he made a comment about. Uh, they asked him if if he was having fun, if he was enjoying himself, and he he said he's just like it's been harder for him to find that joy in baseball recently, and I think. A lot of that has had to do with just a lot of the uncertainty with the team he plays for. But um, I don't know. I'm I like there. I, I go back and forth on it a lot. There are moments where I think like, okay, maybe the Cubs can rectify this situation. But I mean, it really doesn't feel. I mean, he he's gone basically, right? That's what it feels like to me now. I don't know where you're at. Yeah, I've been there for a while. It, it certainly feels like this is headed towards them trading him at the deadline or. Um, maybe even before the season, who knows? Um, so yeah, that that's uh, that's really unfortunate, and I feel like things could have been different, um, and they maybe they would have if Bryant hadn't, you know, gotten some of those injuries that, you know, really zapped his, you know, second half of 2018, and then, you know, basically took apart the shortened season 2020. Uh, so it, it, when you look at the stat line to the last three years, look pretty bad. And then that middle one, it was good, but it wasn't as great as necessarily some of those early seasons or where you expected him to be offensively at that point in his career, based on the trajectory of the first few seasons. Right. So, uh, so I, I get a lot of uh, the frustration for Bryant uh, and the frustration for Cubs fans and having to basically watch the Cubs push him away. Um, yeah, that that's kind of heartbreaking considering he was one of the faces of the franchise just a couple years ago. And just seems like, you know, a couple injuries and then just, you know, the Cubs kind of radio silence on not being able to get something done with him sounds like it's one of those, okay, so we didn't get an extension with him, so we're just not going to re-sign him. Like, it just feels weird to me, you know, how many players go to free agency and then end up back with their old team, or or at least when they hit free agency, you you at least know the original team has a chance to sign him. But right. with Bryant, this is a big market team that's going to let, you know, an MVP and a World Series leader uh hit free agency and they're not even going to try. I mean, that just, that's not 
typically how big markets operate. And that's very sad. Right. And it, I think what frustrates me as well, too, is just how many people just think Chris Bryant sucks now. Like I, I was on a couple of different podcasts on our the Lockdown Network right when uh, the Chris Bryant, you know, trade rumors were kind of at a peak with the Mets Twitter or the Mets guys, as well as like the Nationals and whatnot. There was I think it was on the Blue Jays podcast, too. And so many people had just thought like what they were like. The main question was like, why is Chris Bryant not good anymore? And it's like he he is good. He's just been hurt. And it's insane to me how many so many people like don't even think he hasn't like people like first off, people thought he won the MVP in 2015 a bunch. And that was bothering me. But um, <laughs> a lot of people were just kind of saying like, oh, well, after the couple of the World Series, he wasn't very good. And it's like, well, you could even argue his 2017 season was even better than 2016. Like, it's just so frustrating. It's like all the guy that's happened to this guy is he's been hurt a little bit. And even when he was before, even in 2018, before he got hurt, was still one of the best hitters in baseball. It's like, yeah, man, right. <laughs> we played 60 games and he was hurt for more than half. But of course, he's going to have a bad season. Like, what did you expect? Like, I, I don't know. It's just dumbfounding to me how many people just don't give Chris Bryant that level of respect. Just yeah, crazy. the his 2017 to 2019 cumulative stats, according to baseball reference, is a 284 on uh, uh, batting average. 390 on base, 511 slugging. That's a 901 OPS and a 133 OPS plus uh, in his bad years, if you exclude the 34 games he played in 2020, which, yeah, that stat line looks terrible, but it's 147 plate appearances. Yeah. So even if you include 2020, he still has a 19, I'm sorry, a 129 OPS plus since <laughs> 2017. That's really oh, good. Darn. Yeah. it's only like he's been an elite player this whole damn time. Jeez. Right. But there's this, this perception and it, it invades Cubs fans. And there's probably people who listen to this podcast who feel this way that they just watch him play and they think he's just no good, but the numbers don't back that up. And for some reason, it's really pervasive among fan bases outside of Cubs fans as well. This kind of national opinion that Chris Bryan is terrible when really it was, you know, an injury to his shoulder in 2018 that he tried to play through because the team was in free fall. Uh, mm -hmm. Tried to do it. He basically just sapped his power. He still got on base, but, you know, he couldn't hit the ball over the wall for you know, really anything. He bounced back and had a really good 2019 and was healthy for the most part. And then he was injured and had a poor 60-game season in 2020. So it really is, you know, if he comes into spring training healthy, I feel like this guy's going to have a great year, especially knowing it's a contract year. Right. Uh, and that's going to just make it suck even more when they trade him at the deadline. Um, but <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. But oh, Cubs fans, it might be a rough 2021 year. If you haven't put that together yet, it might be rough and it could be longer, but at least there are some prospects we like and there are, you know, Javi Baez will be here hopefully and and, and anthony fingers. rizzo will be here and hopefully there isn't some stupid blue jay trade that sees uh kyle hunters and chris bryant leave our team but you know i didn't even want to talk about that because that's just too heartbreaking but <laughs> maybe the maybe things will get better for the rickets financially maybe they'll buy a whole bunch of GameStop stock yeah and <laughs> yeah and they'll make a whole bunch of money with all the other poor regular schmoes in the uh in the reddit investor group um you know, all, the, all those guys who are like the Ricketts and just don't have any money, they'll be able mm -hmm. to stick it to the billionaires and then the, the Cubs will be fine. Yeah, that'll fix it. Yep. <laughs>
Oh, man. But, Ryan, I always appreciate you coming on, man. We'll have to – hopefully, once we get closer to spring training and get a better idea of things, maybe we can get a, a season preview podcast going. But uh, right now, <laughs> you could yeah. uh, you could play a podcast that uh, – the pre- off-season preview we did maybe two, three months ago, and you're, it's probably still about right. Uh, the, a lot of those guys are still available. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. When the Cubs have done basically nothing in free agency and a lot of – relatively recognizable names are still out there it's hard to think of spring training getting close but we're what like maybe two weeks away three weeks away yeah we're a couple weeks away from pitchers catchers reporting uh, assuming you know i know arizona is pushing back a little bit on the start date but it doesn't sound like mlb's budging on that so i mean i would expect everyone to report on those dates for the moment all right that will do it here for today's episode of locked on cubs make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast app you use whether that's spotify google apple Wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star review. Make sure when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Cubs for all our episodes. And then, of course, make sure you are heading to BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCKDOWN to get yourself 20% off. But with that, we guys appreciate you guys sticking around here. We do have, like I said, at the top of the show and an inter- uh, episode coming out later today about the Jack Peterson signing, as well as a little bit more on Cole Stewart. We did get more details on the right-handed pitcher. He is agreeing to a one-year major league deal worth $700,000. So we'll touch on that as well as the Jack Peterson stuff here on the last episode of the week. And then Monday, I have an interview with writer Doug Gladstone. He's a writer of the Bitter Cup of Coffee, um, talking a lot about how uh, there's a massive chunk of retired baseball players that do not qualify for MLB's pensions and retirement funds and things like that benefits uh, a really serious issue an issue that Doug is very familiar with uh, gives us a lot of detail so you can keep an eye on that on Monday but with that you guys enjoy the rest of your day and as always go Cubs